0: I'm sorry I had to lie to you. I didn't have to lie to you, but I, that I did lie to you about everything that was happening. So when you thought I was going to the VA, I was really going to jail.
1: Welcome to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Our mission is to help veterans and their family members transition from military to civilian life and culture. As best we can, we avoid stigmatizing names and terms. We feature conversations with those who have encountered unexpected reactions in their journey, including nightmares, rage, and isolation. Participants in our segments share experiences that make them uniquely qualified to join the quest to identify, understand, and resolve these enormous life challenges. Stigma-free Vet Zone is brought to you by the Orban Foundation for Veterans. Learn more by visiting the OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org, and donations are always welcome at the OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org/donate. Thank you for embarking on this educational journey with the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Here's today's segment.
2: Welcome to another educational edition of the Stigma-Free Vet Zone from our studio here overlooking the Milwaukee River in downtown West Bend. Our guest this morning is Chris Swift, and welcome back, Chris. Uh, Chris had spent 55 months between Iraq and Afghanistan, and after transitioning home and uh, severe uh, difficulties with alcohol, Chris is now a veteran peer support specialist with the Captain D uh, John D. Mason Veteran Peer Support Program with the Medical College of Wisconsin in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. So Chris, good morning, welcome back, and thank you as always for helping us out and participating.
0: Thanks, thanks for having me, Mike.
2: Oh, it's been an honor, honor, honor. Uh, so let's just get right back to it. Explain peer support. What is a peer? What is the value of it? And how, do, how does that... Um, It's an excellent program. I I, I think we should have had this a long time ago, but that makes no difference. We don't. We have it now. But explain what peer support is.
0: Okay, so what peer support What
2: qualifies you as a peer?
0: Um, So if if you're a veteran, you were in the military, they have the veteran side of it. But if you go through, like, Wisconsin's um, peer support program – they have one that's, that's relegated to the veteran side of it. Then they have the civilian side of it. So I went to the civilian side of it. I took one of, with the military side from Dry Hooch, but I'm going to be taking the military one with the Wisconsin certified peer supports um, where, where the peers are, are very good. So a lot of times when people are like, oh, I got to go talk to the doctor and tell them what's going on. So it's hard for people to open up and be vulnerable with somebody who they're like, oh, well, this guy just went to school for 40 years. You know, What is he or she going to know about me? He hasn't
2: been there, and I don't trust him. Correct. It,
0: it's like, um, you know, and as a veteran, you have that initial re- relatability. Right away, you're like, all right, that person was here. And then you start talking, and then the military culture comes out, the military language, common experience. And, and then all all the commonalities with it. So it's like, you can have a hundred diplomas on your, on your wall, but like one of the guys with the, with the warrior partnership, we, there's a saying and it says, we don't care how much, you know, we want to know how much you care. And that's just very powerful because you could have a wall full of diplomas. You can have 200 degrees, but if you don't care, if you have no empathy that does nothing you know, where the peers are able to break down and have that, that mutual respect right away. And it, and it gives people the the ease to be vulnerable, to be able to open up and tell people. Cause like even in some of my groups, man, we have had like talking about our shame stories when you let out a lot of stuff, like, and it gets heavy and it's one of those things when you finally let it out, it's almost like you take that big deep breath and you're like, all right, um, feeling better. It's I'm on the road to recovery. It
2: wasn't that hard to tell it. Yes.
0: Yeah. And, and as peers, we're able to just, uh, we're able to get to that point a lot sooner just because of our common experiences, you know, and a lot of times doctors walk in the room and people get that white coat syndrome. They're looking at the doctor going, Oh, I don't know what to tell them. If I tell them this, they're going to say this. If I tell them this, they're going to make me do this, you know,
2: but the element of trust, I, I, that, that five letter word is so important. Because a veteran will trust you because you've been there. You have the common experience. But one of the things I see in peer mentors is they also see themselves in the people they're helping. So you're, you're actually healing yourself as a peer mentor. It's a full circle where everybody's benefiting. Is, yep. is that true?
0: 100%. And it's like I, I share my story because I don't want people to follow, follow in the same footsteps. So when they're like, oh, man, that happened to you? you know, because a lot of times veterans think that their experience is unique and then they start talking to other veterans and they're like, wow, you're going through this too? You? And then they're, they're surprised. But then there's an, there's an additional feeling of comfort. You know, it's like, oh man, you know, I can talk to this person. You know, they're, they're not going to judge me. There's no stigma. You know, now it's like people asking for help with mental health help. It's People are like, you know what? That's courageous. That's not, that's not weakness. That's courageous. You know, when you're out there, you're willing to put yourself out there, you know.
2: One of the other benefits that I see, Chris, is you, if we go back to your story, you've been through the alcohol. You've been through the, the breakup of a relationship that included your daughter uh, you've been through the jobs that you couldn't find that you liked. You couldn't find uh, anything through school. That didn't work out for you as well. So you've gone through all of these stages, and now you get to the point with the DUIs, you've got to stop the drinking. You've got to go back and correct all of these things. As a peer mentor, you can help people get to that point that healing a lot faster and avoid the breakup in the marriage, a break, uh, avoid the estrangement from your children, the alcohol, the DUIs, the jail. You can get there mm-hmm. a lot faster if if you're uh, w- with a peer mentor, I think, because they will explain how quickly and give you the hope to get to this other, uh, the point where you are now. Is that, is that true?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head just because once you get people there and you're like, all right, let me tell you my story real quick. I'll give you the quick version. Boom. This is what I did. This is where I missed all these red flags that were going up. When people are telling you you're, you're drinking too much or they're contacting your family going, I think something's wrong (laughs) because no normal person (laughs) lives a life like that. Like you can't, I can't spend more time in a bar than I do at work. You know, that's, that's just not, not feasible, you know. That's not, that's not cohesive with a positive living experience, you know. And then sharing my story, I think it gets a little easier each time. Like I had to sit my daughter down and I had to explain to her what happened and I had to say, hey, I have to talk to you and I got to tell you some things. I know you might be upset, but that's okay. I'm sorry I had to lie to you. I didn't have to lie to you, but I, that I did lie to you about everything that was happening. So when you thought I was going to the VA, I was really going to jail. And then we leave it up for dialogue. And she's asked me questions. She She's like, did you guys have to wear orange? Did you guys go out into the field and lift weights? <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's, it's like, it's like refreshing when she asked these questions because they're so, they're so funny. And we can kind of get through it. So,
2: But isn't it also taking the load off your mind and your soul to get this burden off? At the very beginning of this conversation, Chris, you said when you came home, it was that swirl of stuff in your head. And now you're getting that out. What's the relief there? Oh, Just to start, you know, this is the truth. And thank God I can finally get there.
0: Yes, this is absolutely amazing, the feeling like being vulnerable. It's like, I enjoy feeling vulnerable. Like I can tell somebody something and be like, you know what? I don't feel bad about it,
2: but it's the truth. (laughs) Yes.
0: And it is. It's just this weight off your shoulder, you know, and it's amazing. I love, I love being able to share my story. I love when others share their story. You know, I love to be able to help people, um, which that has helped me find my purpose. Cause as a medic, you were, everybody, they came to you with everything. Like, hey, doc, things aren't going good at home with the wife, the kids, you know, it's difficult. And, you know, I, I, when I was, I didn't have kids while I was in, in the military. So I had that going for me. So I never had to experience that part of it because I never had to go to my daughter, Morgan. I never had to say, hey, Morgan, I'm going to see you in about um, 12 months, you know, because that's kind of hard to explain to a kid, you know, so I I was just listening for so long because I didn't understand that aspect of it. But now I do. And when I'm talking to people, I'm like, yep, hey, here's my story. This is what I'm doing now, you know. And then I thought maybe I should stay active duty when I came home to be a dad and went finished in the reserves. And I was like, I'll never have that relationship with my daughter if I would have stayed in.
2: All right. Two right. Two very important things that you mentioned, which I can identify with it, and that was uh, when I finally went to Toma, you know, avoiding suicide. I mean, I was suicidal. Depression for a long, long time before I was suicidal, and not suicidal because I was uh, any other reason. That was the card, the, the ace out of the in the hole to get out of this pain that wasn't going away. But as soon as I got with other veterans, it, it was like, why didn't I do this before? It, it was like this great release. Because I had spent all of this time, 30 years, thinking I was alone in this. Nobody else in my platoon had suffered this. I find out all of them had. And you realize I'm not, you know, I don't know where the thought came from. I'm the only one experiencing this. But that went away. The other thing that was really important to me when I came home, and we had discussed this earlier, I'm the veteran. I was there. I'm angry. I was at war. I'm this. I, it was all about me, internalized. We forget about the family. And I, I think part of being the peer is going to help veterans understand the responsibility, as you did, you came with your daughter, to tell them the truth, or at least to let them know, yes, I'm struggling, but I want you to know I'm getting help, just to take that burden off the family, because they have no idea what to do with us. They don't know how to react. There's no resources for them. But now we can also give them resources so that we think of the family as the primary health care unit and not ourselves. Is that a reasonable thought? Yes.
0: And I I think, like I mentioned earlier, talking about the unique situation, like every veteran thinks their experience is unique, and then once you get into a room full of veterans, you're like, wow, you did that, you did that, oh, it's like, yes, it's just like that, that, that breath of fresh air, and you're just like, oh, I'm so relaxed now, I could just sit down and not not deal with the anxiety and stuff. Cause I suffer PTSD, the depression, the anxiety. Like I didn't talk to friends or I avoided friends because I didn't want them to see me and them to ask me how things were going because I was always the guy I could go out to dinner and we could have two beers and I'd be okay. But on the way home, I'm going through my head. I go, where can I stop and get a couple of beers that I can drink on the way home or that I can drink at home, you know?
2: So, or, by the way, I just remembered, I have a bottle of whiskey under the seat of my car <laughs> so I can get to it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about it freezing. <laughs> right. So, so you have all of these things uh, happening, and you've come around to working for the, the John D. Mason again mm-hmm. and the outreach. You've also got a program that you're working with at the VA as uh, an offshoot of the warrior partnership and what is that i think this is really important
0: so it's the veterans empathy training so it's a it's like a spin-off from the warrior partnership because once covid hits nobody could go to the nobody could go to the warrior partnership at the medical college you know because things are a little tighter at medical facilities than they than they are at the regular ones so dr mcbride michael mcbride from the va he's a psychiatrist there and You know, we were talking. He was one of the guys I met while I was at the Dom and kind of helped me.
2: Also a veteran.
0: Yep, also a veteran. A guy who was not a veteran when it kicked off, when um, 9-11 happened and then Afghanistan and Iraq kicked off, then he was like, you know what, I can do some help over there. So he he deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. But what we do is we get third-year medical students to come over from the medical college and deal with veterans. So – we have anywhere from like nine to 15 veterans and usually 16 to 18 um, students. So we get them an idea of what it's like to be dealing with veterans because, you know, now that you can go outside of the VA, then um, it makes it a little easier for you to come across veterans. And if you've never had any experience with veterans, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty scary you know, because you don't know what to expect. So with these, um, with this situation, um, we give them a little idea. So we spend 20 minutes on doing a proper military history. We tell them, what did you like about your military history? What service were you in? You know, we told them how important it is to get the service right. So like if you and I went in and they're like, Hey, when you were in the air force, it's like, hold on. I was in the army. The air force is like, they're the They're the, they're (laughs) the military jokes. Yes. I, I don't I don't even know where to, where to start with the, with the air force. You know, we talk bad about them amongst our inner service banter only because everything they had was better than what we had and we're jealous. (laughs) So, um, we just make them do that military history and tell them the importance of knowing what service your individual was in uh, or your veteran was in. Um, you know what? What did you like about it? What you know? What are positive things you have? So we can kind of revert back to that once in a while if we get to a stuck point. Um, so we, so oh, we also give them you know talk a little bit about the culture and and the language that we use, and we teach them a little bit about the inter service banter because we've got people from the Air Force. We got we got all Air Force, Navy, Marines, Army. They're all represented. We don't have anybody in the Coast Guard yet, so we'd like to get one of those guys. <laughs> Those guys are like unicorns. You don't find them anywhere. So we we do that, and it's just to kind of help out in the civilian world where they, they're not going to really see a, a veteran. Like at the VA, you see veterans all day. Outside of the VA, you'll see them occasionally. So we just want them to have an idea so they're not overwhelmed when they have their first So, so they're
2: comfortable in your presence. So yes. They, and they know how to communicate with you. Yes. Some of the most essential Uh, understandings that have turned veterans away from the mental health profession because they didn't get that off the bat. That trust wasn't there. The common language wasn't there. understanding of the culture wasn't there. Uh, And and very, very important, that work that you're doing.
0: You know, like it's one of those things like the reflective listening where you can listen and you repeat back to the uh, individual so you know you're on the same page. So if the veteran says something and then the doctor just assumes it's one thing, and then they go with that, then that kind of turns, like you said, it turns off the veteran because they don't think they listened to what they said. Right. So right.
2: I, I, I will say this many, many times. I have five sisters, and if you want to know what it's like to be pregnant and give birth to a child, ask a woman who's been pregnant <laughs> and given birth to a child. That's the power of the peer mentor is he's been there, she's been there, we understand the situation. Nobody else knows it and can identify it as trustingly as we the veterans can, but it's also important not to say this in deference to professional mental health workers. It's really a good tandem together. What the mental health uh, profession can't provide the peer support person can. So working together, I think is a very powerful unit.
0: Yeah. If you, once you get start hitting on all cylinders, you can get a good peer mentor group going because um, a lot of our groups, Um, We have our facilitators, but we have some peer mentors in the group. And a lot of people are like, you know what? I've never even heard of this. This is perfect for what I'm doing. This, I think, being a peer mentor, a veteran peer mentor, is awesome because I think it gives you a little of that purpose and kind of pulls you back in.
2: And and do you think we owe a a thank you to the Medical College of Wisconsin and to the VA Hospital in Milwaukee and to the Vet Centers and Dry Hoots all for accepting us and and participating in this and promoting this. I mean, the, the Medical College of Wisconsin does a great job in, in promoting the, the work that veterans are doing to help uh, in our, our, our healing, and so is the VA in, in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. I, th- I
0: think we're lucky because our VA is one of the best VAs in the country. And, you know, of course, you can have, you can see a million patients, and if 999,999 are like, that was the best service ever, and one guy's like, that sucked. That's all we hear about is that one person. Well,
2: that's the sensationalism. Yeah. yeah,
0: but like our VA, we've got everything on campus. We've got inpatient. We've got outpatient. We've got the spine the spine center, which is one of the top spine centers in yeah. all of the VA. Yeah,
2: You have access to alternative therapy yes. that they're promoting. You know, the, the poetry. The whole, that, the whole health. All Equine, all of that, yeah. Yes, they
0: have all these programs set up, and, you know – it it's nice that we have all this stuff, but sometimes I think that it's not appreciated as much as it should be. But like you said before, I think we do owe a lot of gratitude to the Medical College of Wisconsin, the VA, the
2: Rogers Memorial is helping out.
0: They're they're getting better, and then yeah. they have like our numbers on um, on record. So if they get a veteran that only wants to talk to a veteran, they can call one of us. Yeah. There's all there's so many programs out there now, and it's like I almost feel like we're spoiled with it. I, I think, you know, the good thing about having such a large variety of programs is like one program isn't going to work for everybody. So it's just going to be you find your niche and you go with that.
2: I agree with that, and almost intuitively – if they if we put them all in front of all the possible healing strategies that are out there, we put them all out in front. I think there's a, an, a almost an intuition on the veterans' part to, to identify and say, "Yeah, I'd like to do that." Poetry, no way. Guitars for veterans, yeah, I'd like to do that. Uh, you know, kayaking, sure, that'd be cool. Horseback right? no, I hate horses. I don't like yeah. horses. I'm not going. But you, but if it's there, you have the choice to pick it. And there are so many things now available to pick that are healing strategies that are that are go go very well with the traditional mental health programs.
0: Yeah. I, I think that they've come together and worked as a group to bring things forward and they're, and I know the VA is not shy about bringing out new programs. Like, you know what, let's give it a try. Let's go six, 12 months. We'll see how the individuals, um, like it or don't like it. Like the whole thing of, um, when you get sent those surveys, it is so important that people fill those surveys out and they fill it out honestly. Like if you were in a program and you are like, that program sucked, just saying that program sucked does nothing. You need to say, well, this is what I did not like. This, you know, if you like something on there, you put, you liked it, you know, but you gotta be honest, you gotta be open. Don't be disrespectful on them. But those surveys are what creates the next level of programs that they're going to have, you yeah, know? Yeah.
2: yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, we're, we're coming down to the, to the end of the hour. Um, if uh, if an hour and t- 10 minutes is an hour, <laughs> but, uh, but this is so fascinating. You're such a, an articulate um, provider for this educational information, but I, I, I want I to ask you two more mind. things to go, I, okay. and I'm serious about that. Uh, tell us the value of stigma uh, in, in actually making the decision to go and ask for or, but don't think of it as mental health. Think of it as answers that resolve the issues you're having, if we think about it that way. But what, how, how do we demystify stigma? And tell us now, when you're, as a peer mentor, uh, how you're feeling. What, what is hope? What is happiness? What's out there beyond where you were when the cops were pulling you over for DUIs?
0: all right so with the with the stigma it's used to usually it used to be if you're getting help you're weak you can't handle it and that just forced other people to hold it in and isolate and suppress their feelings and emotions and then it's just it's counterproductive because saying oh you need to go get some mental health help you're pretty weak you know why is that weak how is that a weakness, trying to better yourself? You know, and a lot of times people use that as as like a, a method to get people to do things, you know, and it's like, you can't do that. So like the stigma, I think we are doing, as a whole, we are doing a good job of getting away from the stigma. We're thinking like, all right, I need to get mental health help because that guy's story, I want to stop at like chapter two. I don't want to get to chapter 12. I couldn't say but, it better. Yeah. Yes. I want to... I I just want to get this far and try to improve myself as for like hope and happiness. So hope to me is just, it's one of those things out there that you're seeing something, you're seeing good things and you know that good things are going to come and they're going to just keep coming. They're going to keep coming. There are going to be setbacks. There's nobody who's going to have the life that everything goes right. It's just, it's just not realistic. But the hope that, you know what, it's going to continue to go, the stigma is going to continue to go away. The help, the healing, that's going to continue to stay. More people are going to experience that. They are going to be able to deal with things on a lot, a lot better scale.
2: And it is hard work. It can't be hard work. Yeah. But it, you're not going to get there without the hard work. But it was hard work going into the military, too. I mean, basic training yep. wasn't a piece of cake either, you know? So, so it is hard work. But the hope is there is something on the other side if you choose to go after it.
0: Correct. If you choose to go after yeah. it, you got to put in.
2: Yeah. And, and I, I'm here to tell you I'm an infantry soldier. You're a combat medic. That first step is the hardest because of the stigma. The one thing that was always in the back of my mind as the son of a World War II veteran and a paratrooper was I did not uphold my responsibilities as a soldier. If I had, I wouldn't be feeling this. That makes absolutely no sense because when I look back, I listen to what Chris Swift says, how could you come back from that experience without these reactions? How could I come back from what I saw and not have these reactions? That would be a a scary person.
0: Yeah, and... That's why where we, when we start scraping that stigma out of there and we go there and then like we were talking about before, when you let something out, it's kind of like, oh man, it's such a relief. I've got this baggage off me now.
2: Takes you the know? need for that alcohol away.
0: Exactly. And I, I see more and more people that are giving up alcohol before they get to the points of like where I was, they're like, all right, I was going down the wrong road with alcohol. Like I always say light, um, alcohol was my life coach. Like, if I had any problems, who'd I talk to? Alcohol. Johnny Walker. Who, who never let me down? Alcohol. Yeah. Who always made me feel better? Yeah. Alcohol.
2: Who never argued with me? Alcohol. <laughs>
0: who never said I was I was the bad guy, I did something wrong? Alcohol. Who
2: never told did. you what normal was? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alcohol. You know,
0: and just like hit on the last thing when you were talking about happiness, you know. So... I I missed a year out of my daughter's life because of my inpatient and because I was in jail. So I got to see her, you know, I was lucky I got to see her once a week. But she has helped me immensely because she showed me that I can't be that guy. I've got to be an example for her. You know, she doesn't want to have to go to school and be like, yeah, Chris Smith, my dad. You know, and people go, oh, him? Jesus, that sucks. You want You want to see if my parents will let you live here for a while? You know, just... Stuff wow. like that. You you want her to be able to hold her head high and and I thank God that I left active duty and came home and finished in the reserves because I got to build this relationship with her and it's like nothing I ever experienced before. And she is so don't get me wrong, there are days where I just I'm just hitting my head with a with a frying pan going, Man, where did I go wrong here? You know. But yeah, but that's
2: any parent. Yeah. But it's <laughs> like it. her
0: personality and when we do stuff and
2: well, at least you care you enough know. to hit your head with a frying pan before you <laughs> get to you know? so, But I, I, I think those are valuable lessons. I remember Dr. Lee, who was the, the head of the Spinal Cord Injury Hospital at the VA, said to me, after his experiences as a combat um, a medical commander in Iraq and, and was wounded, he said that the real casualty of war is the family. And I think there's something to that, and I think we can learn as veterans – that if we take some responsibility, at least not for our own health care, that, that we're willing to, as you're doing now, think of the love and the happiness of our family. And I think that's just essential, just critical because we don't want to start piling up the guilt of what we've done to our, our families or the estrangement from them either.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to know that, like, I, I think a lot of times we use the word hero loosely, and I think it gets overused. You know, they always say they when we got back they'd always say oh you guys are heroes it's like one not everybody who puts the uniform on is a hero and two not everybody who deploys is a hero like you can't just put on uniform step over in country and be like oh hero nope doesn't work that way i think the families they are underappreciated like you said and then you know they they fit the definition of hero better than some of us that put the uniform on and go over there
2: absolutely absolutely we we could continue talking about this forever. You are such a delightful um, a guest to have, Chris, and so educational. I, take one last minute. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm probably keep you know, twenty minutes or no, keep going to the last minutes. But you're, what you're saying is so important. Give us a last word on hope for for this session.
0: Okay, um, everybody's out there. You know, it's kind of like the buddy checks. Just check in, see how people are going. All the stuff that's going on with Afghanistan right now, just let people know that they're cared about, that you love them, you miss them, and if we could go back and wipe that, wipe out the Taliban. We would do that, but the hope is that, you know, things get better there. But let's get things better here on the home front. Let's take care of everybody who's over there, who's coming, who's going to be coming back, because that's going to be a pretty, that's that's a pretty tragic experience what they had to experience losing thirteen guys in one, one swoop. And if we can just, you know, be there for everybody, let them know that there's programs out there to help them so they don't have to fall into the same pitfalls that we did. You know, I want to share my story because I don't want people to follow it. I want them to have the hope that, you know what, I'm going to make a couple of different changes here and I'm going to look, and my situation's going to be much better than where his was. So like, I have, I still have a ton of work to do with mine, but I have hope that, after years of doing therapy, I take meds and do therapy because the meds alone aren't gonna aren't gonna do it. You got to do meds and therapy. So, I want I want people to know that the other side, you know, once you're once you can start seeing it, once it's in your vision and your peripherals, you can tell that there is something better out there for us. And don't stop. It's a work in progress, and it's going to be a work that you have to do till the day you die but it's worth it.
2: Well, and and it's worth it because guess what? We came home and we came home and what's one of the things we wanted at war to go home. Well, now that we're home, respect that and honor the guys who didn't come home a little bit, the women who didn't come home and move on with your life. I I think that's just so very important, but also I think it's important to realize we didn't get through the military on our own. I mean, I had everybody that was in my platoon, all these guys, all these women, everybody was together. There's no need to think you have to get through it as a veteran alone. That doesn't even make sense. Come home. Get together with veterans. If you're struggling with your issues, find one veteran, start talking to them. Make exactly. yourself a group. And and it just makes it better.
0: It starts with one.
2: It does. Chris Swift, give us where they can find out about the John D. Mason.
0: Um you can go on to Facebook and you can find the Captain John D. Mason veteran peer outreach program. We have a Facebook page. You can go on there and like us. You can if you have any questions, you can send messages. Um you can Get resources. Yeah, there's all we have all kinds of resources on our page too. If you look at it, it's kind of interesting. You know, you, we just finished up Mexi- Fiesta Mexicana yesterday and um, been able to get out because COVID is slowing down. So that's kind of that's nice. But to just don't ever don't ever hesitate to reach out. And if you have friends that you think are struggling, reach out to them. If you don't think you can help them as much, reach out to us and we'll reach out to them. So just know that there are programs out there that are going to help us.
2: Chris Swift, thank you so much.
0: Hey, it's my uh, pleasure, Mike. Thank yeah, you.
2: Really, really an honor. And I want to thank our guests for sharing this very educational episode with us. And Chris Swift, who is a combat medic in Iraq and Afghanistan, is now peer mentor for the John D. Mason program at Medical College of Wisconsin, but also working with the VA Hospital in Milwaukee. Thank you for joining us, and I want to make sure that everyone understands that we, as a podcast, are supported by the Charles E. Kubley Foundation in Milwaukee, and they are the people to go to if you're suffering depression or suicidal thinking, and their support has been uh, j- just so important to us over this past year, and we uh, hope it continues, but check out the Charles E. Uh, Kubley Foundation at charlesecublifoundation.org. And don't hesitate to get in touch with a human voice, somebody immediately if you need to know them. And you're going to find that at the vet- a Veterans Resource number at 1-800-273-8255. And then press 1 or text to 838-255-CHAT. Uh, and don't hesitate to call that. As Chris has mentioned, and, and I would certainly agree with that very first call is not only the hardest one to make, but it's probably the most uh, therapeutic and, and, uh, and beneficial to you in the long run. So thank you for joining us. Uh, for Bob Bach and Aaron Schroffnagel, I am your host on Stigma-Free Vet Zone, Mike Orban. And remember, this is educational. It's not stigmatizing.
1: Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again.